The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey, welcome to Summit Church. I'm so glad that you chose to join us today. As we continue walking through the Gospel of Luke, we come to the end of chapter 10 and just a few verses that tell a story that actually as a church we've, we've looked at a few times, but I think it's very important that we remember the message that is brought to us by looking at the lives of two very, very important women in the New Testament, Mary and Martha, sisters, who have an opportunity to serve a meal to Jesus, a wonderful opportunity that they take advantage of in different ways. And before we jump into that, though, I do want to ask a question, okay? It's simple. Just allow yourself to process this however you will. Have you ever felt like there was more to do in the day than time in the day to accomplish it? Have you ever had that feeling? And I'm certain that most of us have at some point where you get towards the end of your day and you're like, I had so much more I had to accomplish today. I don't know where the day went. I don't know what's happening. That's normal. But my concern comes when there are some of you who feel that way every day. You run at a pace that is unsustainable trying to accomplish more than you really possibly can accomplish, at least living the way that you live now. And when we feel that burden on a regular basis, I have more to do today than I have day to accomplish it. When we live with that constant stress, it cripples us. It really does. It it starts to weigh on us in such a way that we lose confidence, we lose purpose, we lose drive. We stop dreaming and casting vision for our lives. We relegate anything extra, and even though God and our relationship with him should not be extra, we relegate anything that is not absolutely essential to get through the day today, we relegate it to the side. And oftentimes that's God. And we can see from two women in a, in a very, what should be joyous situation, getting to serve Jesus' dinner. We can see how they do it differently, and Jesus will tell us that there is one of the two that chose better, that showed us just a, a small glimpse of how to live life in a way that allows for you to be successful, to engage with the Lord, to feel like you have space and time to accomplish what needs to be done and still have even maybe a little bit left over in the tank. So before we read our passage, just the context, okay? I love to make sure we put the scripture into the historical context, into the narrative of the whole, and here's what it is. We are in a small town called Bethany, Bethany is two miles southeast of Jerusalem. It's separated by the Mount of Olives, okay? So as you come over the Mount of Olives, you see Jerusalem. Bethany is this little town, kind of a suburb, if you will, of Jerusalem. We are there. We're in the house of Lazarus, okay? Lazarus is the brother to sisters, Mary and Martha. So they're one family, but Lazarus is not home. There's speculation Okay, because chronologically Luke kind of throws stuff everywhere. But there's speculation that the reason Lazarus is not there, because he normally would be, the reason he's not there is because he had been one of the 72 disciples sent out into Judea to preach and teach. So the reason he's not home is because he's out on mission. It's highly likely that this is the case. But Jesus and his 12 come into the home of Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha go, please stay for dinner. We would love, love to have you. 
just giving you a bigger, broader timeline. This occurs right after the Feast of Tabernacles, which tells us we are five months away, five months away from Jesus' death in Jerusalem. So kind of just you can put this whole picture together now of what's happening. Let's pick it up in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. We will read them all. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, okay, this is on their way to Jerusalem, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary. Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Mary chose in this moment to be where Jesus was, to sit at his feet, and to glean and learn whatever she could from him. Verse 40, but Martha, Martha, she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Jesus and his 12 have just come to dinner, and you want it to be perfect. You want everything exactly as you see it in your mind. The napkins, the plates, the meal has to be cooked perfectly. You want to make sure that the beverages are ready. She has so many things on her to-do list. Her preparations are going, but she's not close to being done. She came and she said to Jesus, she asked him, Lord, don't you care, don't you care that my sister has left me? The verb there literally means abandoned me. We were working together great. And then she just bounces. She just left me to come sit with you. And I'm in the kitchen doing all the work. She abandoned me. Tell her to help me. Now, now I love this. It, you, you kind of see sisters squabbling here, right? Hey, Jesus, okay, she's not going to listen to me. But you need to tell Mary, get up. Get her apron back on and get in the kitchen. And the Greek there literally means tell her to do her fair share. It's not that Martha's wanting to swap places. That would have been one thing. Hey, Mary's had her time to sit and listen to you. I want my time to sit and listen to you. No, Martha's heading straight back to the kitchen also. She is just coming in to disrupt whatever Jesus is teaching and talking about and to say, get Mary back where she belongs. She has the carrots to still do. She's in charge of the potatoes and this lamb is not going to cook itself. Get her back in the kitchen to do her fair share. Jesus responds in verse 41. Martha Martha, this is not loud, this is not in anger, this is possibly spoken with a smile. Martha, Martha, breathe, calm down, okay, we good? Look, you're worried, you're upset. You think this dinner is the most important thing in the world right now. You think everything has to be perfect. You're mad at Mary for leaving you in the kitchen while she came and sat out here and talked with us. I get it. There's a lot of feelings right now. A lot of emotions going on. You're worried. You're upset about many things. That to-do list, all the preparations, what has to be accomplished still today. You're worried. You're upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. There's, there's just one thing that is needed. And today we need to make sure that we understand that truth. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of our life, there's only one thing that has to be. There's only one thing that's needed. And Mary has chosen what is better. You're doing good work. 
What, what you're choosing to do is, is fine. You're, you're choosing to serve a meal to your house guests. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you have two things to choose from, being in my presence, sitting at my feet, or cooking dinner, Mary chose what was better. She chose the better option there. And it will not be taken away from her. You've made a simple request for her to get up and come back in the kitchen. I'm not going to make her do that. It's not how this day is going to end. She chose what was better. And I can see you're upset, but this is just simply how it's going to have to be. We read this passage and we immediately associate with one of the two sisters. Some of you totally get married. You're like, yeah, yeah. Can't stand those people that are always just going 100 miles an hour. You need to just chill. You need to chill. You need to see the opportunities in front of you. You need to take advantage of it. Can't be living your life super planned out, super stressed out, super maxed out. No, you've got to just relax. Others, you see Mary and you go, without go-getters like that, our whole world would fall apart. It's people like Mary that just cause this whole world to be lazy, out of touch with reality. Martha's the true one. I can't believe that Jesus would say that, that Mary chose better than Martha. Martha's the one getting it done. Martha's the one earning gold stars left and right. Come on. Wait, wait. I don't get what Jesus is saying. We, we associate with one of the sisters based on our personality, based on how we choose to live our life, based on what we prioritize. So today, you might be a Mary, you might be a Martha. But I think it's important that we understand what Jesus is trying to teach us by relaying this story about two sisters. Most preachers will take this passage and say that the point, what Jesus is trying to say is that those who get it right choose to sit at Jesus' feet. Now, Mary was doing this literally, and, and I don't think it's a literal thing. I think it's a posturing thing. But Mary would, at least two more times in Jesus' life, find herself at his literal feet. So there may be something to this. This is the first time that Mary finds herself at Jesus' feet during this dinner party. Two months from now, Mary will find herself at Jesus' feet as Jesus comes to the same home, this time sad, weeping, because his friend and their brother Lazarus is dead, has been dead for days. Jesus did not come immediately when he heard that Lazarus was sick, and Mary meets Jesus on the road, not yet to the house, falls at his feet and says, if you'd come sooner, my brother wouldn't be dead. She stops the funeral preparations. The funeral lunch is put on hold, and she runs out and she meets Jesus because he's there. And then finally, it would be Mary in the last week of Jesus' life, in the midst of chaos, as Jesus keeps telling his disciples, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be crucified, it's happening now. Mary comes in and she pushes through the minutiae, she pushes through the noise, she pushes through to Jesus' feet, and she anoints them with this very expensive perfume. Mary kept finding moments to be at Jesus' feet. In her life, that just seemed to be her rhythm. And while I think we can say, okay, we need to figure out to be more like Mary, because she's the one who chooses better how to be at Jesus' feet, there's a, there's a bigger question that must be asked. How do we spend our life at Jesus' feet? Well, I think we look and see, what does Mary do better? What, it's, it's not just that she stopped working. It's not just that she sat down. 
What does she really do better than Martha? Well, I think she lives her life in a rhythm that allows her to encounter encounter Jesus when he's near. Now, for Mary, that was when he was literally present. For you and for me, his presence is always with us. It's always there. And while that is a huge blessing, it also allows us to be slightly calloused. Mary, of course, is going to stop and run to the feet of Jesus when he walks in her door. It is imperative that we understand that Jesus has already walked in the door of our life. He's here. It's just on us whether or not we're going to acknowledge that, whether or not we're going to slow down enough to engage with him. Mary lived her life in a way and in a rhythm that she could always acknowledge the presence of God, and she responded appropriately. I think for a lot of people who want to be like Mary, the, the easiest solution is this. Here's what I'm going to do, God. I want to be connected to you. I want to be in your presence. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend a few minutes a day, each day, just me and you. And that time has many different names, quiet times, devotional time, prayer time, meditation. You, you may call it many different things. But the idea is set aside time in your day to spend with the Lord and That's incredible. Time in the Word, time with God, time in prayer. It's always going to come back fruitful. But but here's the problem with quiet time or set-aside time like that. It is a pipe dream to believe that spending 10 minutes a day connected to God will be sufficient to say that we were connected with Him for our day. And sometimes, in in its worst form, those set-aside moments become legalism and justification to say, I'm not going to be connected with God at all for the rest of the day because I got too much to do, but I checked the box. I had my time with him. It happened at 6.30. It happens at 6.30 most mornings. I had my minutes. Now I'm good because I've done that to pursue what I need to do for the rest of the day. That's how Martha chose to live. And she, while doing good, was surpassed by her sister Mary, who chose what was better, who chose to encounter God throughout her life because she lived with sustainable rhythms that allowed her to acknowledge him in every situation. Now, what I believe, in summary, that Mary does better, this rhythm that she lives her life with, I believe she lives her life with margin. Okay, now that's not a biblical term. That's just a simple English word. What, what is margin? A preacher in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, named Andy Stanley, he says margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. That's your margin. It's what's left beyond what's necessary. I, I make it even simpler than that. I say margin is just simply what's left over. When what's needed is done, what's left over, that is your margin. I, I, I can tell you, church, with 100% certainty, our culture is hurting for margin. And I would say our culture is struggling because of its lack of margin. And then I can prove it. How many people do you know, maybe including yourself, that live a life with some level of stress constantly? Who's stressed out? I I can think of so many people, including in seasons myself, people that are stressed. We live in a culture that pushes us to the limits. More, more, more. That is our motto. Most of us are living at an unbiblical and unsustainable pace. It is insane 
what is normal for us today. And I can prove it simply by looking at the schedules of our teenagers. What they're being pushed to do. Starting school in things called zero hours. Before school even starts, you're going to school. Staying after for all these activities. But then you're not done. You're going. You're working. You're striving. We have 14, 15, 16-year-olds who are going nonstop 16, 17, 18 hours a day. And then it just carries on because that's what you got to do to succeed in this world. Most people have very little margin in their major portions of their life. And that's not sustainable. That's not healthy. That's not how Mary chose to live her life. So what do you do? Well, you start by scheduling margin. That's, that's the first step in establishing rhythm in your life. It will allow you to encounter Jesus in your normal situations. When you leave a little bit extra in all the areas of your life, when you choose to do that, and you have to be intentional with it, when you choose to do that, that will give you space to connect with him. Margin gives us a chance to disconnect from the pace, the pressures, and the driving needs of this world so that you can connect with God. We must, and I'm going to say this a couple times, we must disconnect in order to connect. This is an interesting illustration, but I want you to track with me. I love to take a shower at the end of the day, even though I shower for my cleanliness in the morning. Why is that end of the day shower so enjoyable? It requires me to disconnect. For that 10 minutes, I no longer have to watch kids or take care of that, do homework, those types of things. I can't do any work necessarily in that moment. Uh, and don't take my phone into the shower because that's just not wise. Don't, don't do that. So I'm disconnected from the screen. I'm disconnected from social media. I'm disconnected from that. There, there's 10 minutes where it's just me. And you're, you're forced in that moment to examine your own thoughts. And now you can choose in that moment to think about all you have to do and hurry and get out and then go back to doing it. Or you can choose in that moment of margin to say, wow, I've got so much going on. I just need to breathe. And then if you're really intentional, you take those moments and those thoughts and you lay them right beautifully at the feet of Jesus. It's disconnecting so that you can connect. We desperately need margin. In many areas of our life, you've heard me say that already, but here's just three of the main ones, okay? We need margin in the physical areas of our life. I'm calling that just our time. We all get 24 hours in a day. It's actually frustrating to me sometimes when people go, I just don't have enough time to get it done. Okay, well, we all get the same amount of time. So how are you using your time? Providing margin, physical margin in our life, actually will make us more effective in less time. It's that idea of working smarter, not harder. How are you allowing there to be time scheduled in your day for margin? The healthiest people in the world, the most successful and effective people in the world, know the truth of this. You have to give yourself buffer throughout the day. You have to. And you're like, no joke, Todd. I just can't. No, that's an excuse. Of course you can. Of course you can. You may just need to be creative in the ways and the means in which you find it. The second major area of our life, financial margin. I'm not going to go into this. This needs to be a whole other talk, but I just want to make one observation. How much less stress would you have in your life if you knew at the end of every month there would be some left over? You paid it all. Everything's paid. Everything's done. 
Everything's out the door. And there's this little amount of money left. By definition, that's margin. Now, you go, well, Todd, you don't know all the bills I have. No, I don't. And I'm not an accountant. But I do know this. If you spend less than you bring in, in a month, that will leave you with margin. That's a healthy and sustainable way to handle finances. Once again, I know that's a whole talk, but it's part of it. And then there's emotional margin. It's space that you give yourself to feel, to actually feel, to process without repercussions, without seeming like you're weak and not able to handle it, with, without feeling like, oh, I'm being too vulnerable and real. It's a chance for you to heal. Emotional margin is something that we desperately need, but we far too often fail to give ourselves. When I say schedule margin, here's what I mean. Schedule time in your day just to think. Literally, if you need to, put it on your calendar. Schedule margin to think, to pray, to dream, to read. Not just scrolling through the news feed on your phone, being more stressed about all that's going on. Intentionally, a reading plan. Schedule time to read, to build relationships. Do this until it becomes a natural flow of your life, a rhythm. The hope is that you'd spend more time connected to God than to this world. That's the hope of this margin. But I'm not, I'm not here to paint rainbows that this is just going to happen overnight. Allowing there to be margin in your life will, cons- will create consistent and sustainable patterns and rhythms that you can then choose to use to connect to God. But here's three truths about margin that I think will motivate you to at least examine, look at this, and try. Number one, proper margin decreases stress. It just does. From those three categories that I've given you, time, finances, and emotional margin, it will decrease stress in your life. Number two, proper margin increases relational effectiveness. The most busy, stressed out, overworked people in the world um, feel like they're on islands and they're all alone. And that's because relationships take time and effort. It takes intentionality. It takes margin in your life to be there for someone else. Many of us have eliminated all that margin, so we've by default then eliminated the relationships that we need to feel like we're in this with someone else. If you find yourself alone, if you find yourself kind of hopeless and helpless, you probably need to take a look at the margin in your life, the intentional time that you're spending in relationship and therefore its effectiveness. And then third truth is that proper margin allows you to function as you were created. I, I don't think being godly, I don't think being the, created, the creation that God intended for you to be means killing yourself by working and striving for things that don't really matter. Margin will allow you to function as the person God created you to be You disconnect so that you can connect. You feel the rhythm of a life spent choosing what is better. Truly spent, lived out, choosing what is better. Since I believe that Jesus is what is better, what part of your life that you're currently prioritizing over Jesus is really more important than him? Just sit in that for a moment. What part of your life, and it could be a great part, Your job could be great. Your kids could be great. Your your marriage. 
All these things are good things, but what part of your life are you currently prioritizing over Jesus? When in reality, as important as that part of your life is, it's not more important than him. But he's being relegated to the sidelines because you're striving, you're going, you're wanting more and more and more, and it's simply just not sustainable. It's sad how often we make those parts of our life the only priority, and God gets left in the dust. The signs of doing this are clear. When we fail to disconnect so that we can connect, the signs are clear. It will be stress, it will be a lack of true relationship. You'll be feeling like you're always falling short, that you're never succeeding. If I'm describing you in that margin, a healthy rhythm, and a connection to God, that's very likely the prescription to eliminate all of these things, all of these concerns. The answer is never to do more. I've just got to work harder then. Don't have anything left in the tank, but I'm going I'm to try because I don't fail. No, it's not to do more. It's to connect more with the source of abundant life. That's, that's the solution. That's the answer. So I ask you, church, are you connected to that source, the source of life to the full, the source of life abundant, the source of life and joy? Are you connected? Do you regularly find yourself pausing in life to enjoy the presence of God? I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that the vast majority of you listening today, the answer to that question is no. That you find yourself regularly pausing simply to enjoy the presence of God that is always here. It's always with you. Do you understand? Do you understand why Mary chose what was better? And, And I know that's an obscure question, but as we come to the end of this message, are, are you still thinking, I think Martha had it right. She, she's the one that causes the ship to move forward. And if I'm not that person, if I'm not the one driving the ship, then, then the ship's gonna go down. And that's not acceptable either. I, I, know, I know I need God, but right now, the most important thing is keeping this ship afloat. Do you really see and understand why Jesus said that Mary chose what was better? If you can't today, if, if not today, can, can you decide that margin is the only way that you'll ever experience the life that you desire, that you're currently killing yourself to attain? Can you, can you see that? Like You can keep doing what you're doing and never get the goal that you're striving for, or you can see margin as the solution, mar- disconnecting so you can connect. You can see that as a solution and actually then maybe be able to taste and experience the life that you're working so hard for. Now, there's one other group of people and these are people who are listening to this message going, you know, that's not me at all. Like, I don't overwork nothing. I, I do the bare minimum, so I'm not really stressed. I'm not really this, but you're also still not connected to God. Um, you need margin from yourself. Your overindulging in self is what's causing you to not connect with the presence of God. And so you need margin from you, from your free time, from your pleasures, 
from your desires, from your doing whatever laziness you want to do and makes you the most happy and feels like it makes you the most content. You need margin from that. I finished with Psalm 46, verse 10. And it's a beautiful passage to govern what I think should be our beautiful response to the presence of God. And it says this, be still. Disconnect. Stop. Be still and know in your mind. Allow your thoughts taken captive and know this. Know that I am God. Know that I will be exalted among the nations. One way or another, that's going to happen. So you might as well get on board with this now. Be still. Know that I'm God. Know that I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in this earth. I will have my place in your life one way or another. And church, it is my honest prayer for you today that the way he will take that exalted place in your life is through you allowing him to have it. Through you in faith choosing what is better through you living a life in, with margin and rhythm that allows you to acknowledge his presence, that you would disconnect from this world so that you could connect with him, that you would be still and know that he is God, that he is all you need. Father, help us in the midst of our crazy life and the chaos that consumes us, help us to seek you out to rest in you, to trust in you, to be still before you and allow you to fill us, fill our deepest parts with your power, with your presence, with your peace, with your joy, with your love. Allow you, God, to lead and guide our lives, to sustain our craziness and God, make it for your glory. We need you, we want you. It's in your name we pray, amen.